0: Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church, located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. Uh, If you're brand new, we're in a new uh, message series titled, What's the Big Deal? Ever say, What's the Big Deal? Week three, uh, and this one, I, I want to communicate the heart of the series. Uh, some of you may be uh, back uh, for the first time last Sunday, so I want to show the importance of why we're doing this series. And uh, I always loved the um, heartbeat or the big thought of it. Now, I've been married to Rachel for nine years. Where's my baby Boo at? Uh, Rachel, come on now. What a beautiful name it is. Rachel, what a beautiful name it is. You have no rival. You have no equal. <laughs> God gives you pickup lines, okay, guys? Just use them, They're like, right in front of you. Um, been married nine years, and I'll just be honest. I feel like um, I've done a pretty good job. Not the best job. I'm not saying the best husband, but I've done my best to be a great husband for nine years. Like, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a winner by nature, so if Rachel, uh, like, describes something that she loves, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm in. Let's do it, you know? So I have become great at taking pictures in lily fields. I've done a great job. But I have failed my wife. I got to be honest. This is why I said pretty good job. I have failed my wife when it comes to birthdays. Got all really quiet and sad. <laughs> it was like, oh, you have? Oh, my gosh. What did you do? Uh, now, you'd be like, oh, how'd you fail? Did you forget her birthday? No, I never forgot her birthday. Oh, did you not take her to dinner and get her presents? No, I did all that. She wants more. Yeah. All right? So who are the people in the room that are like the big birthday people raise your hand? You're like, I just, hey, it's my birthday. Hey, it's my birthday. Here's my birthday. Like you put a pin on, you walk into work. You're like, everybody bow down, you know, like where's my, on. so that's my wife. Okay. Me, a family of six, four kids. Your birthday was like, yeah, your birth, big deal. Here's, you know, like a present and beyond, like, no joke. I had a birthday one year where um, I was waiting for my cake and my parents were like, uh, and they like grabbed like this, like carrot thing, put a candle in it and lit it when we were camping and gave me one present. I'm still talking to my therapist about it, okay? Like, like, so birthdays were not a big deal. I never had a birthday party. Never as a kid. My parents never ever, like, let me have friends over and have a birthday party. I'm fine. Yeah, that's actually pretty sad. I think I should actually go to therapy. <laughs> so, so Rachel and I get married. And anything about marriage, if I just be honest, you're bringing two value systems into one house. So I value things. Rachel values things. Some things are a big deal to me. Some things are a big deal to Rachel. And then you get married, and some things that are a big deal to her aren't a big deal to me. And what happens when you marry somebody and it's a real big deal to them, it's not a big deal to you, ooh, you can start failing them. Ooh, you can start failing them. So, so our first seven years of marriage, like, I would just do the same thing, repeat. Like I thought it was a good thing, like, hey, let's go to dinner. I, I'm not talking like we're going to Chick-fil-A. i like, am taking my girl to Ruth Chris, okay? Like, like, I'm gonna eat peanut butter and jelly the next four days so you can have this for your birthday girl, you know? Um, I'm gonna get her a present and I'm gonna open it. I'm gonna tell her I love her. I'm gonna sing happy birthday to her. And at the end of the night, she'd always be like, birthday sucked. <laughs> to be honest, like that's a little over the top by right? Rachel. Can we agree with that? Okay, who's on my side? Okay, all no, right. Um, and I'm in trouble again. So, two years ago, I finally figured out why birthdays were such a big deal to Rachel, and I knew I had to change. So Rachel's the only child. She was born on July 6th. The 4th of July, all her childhood, her parents would tell her that the fireworks for her. Hey, happy birthday! Everybody in the whole city of LA is sending out fireworks. Do you know the psychological things that does to a seven-year-old who thinks that all the fireworks are for their birthday? My people, oh, thank you. You're like, oh, was it really that over the top in her family? She was uh, turning two years old, about 15 to 20 family members come over and they bring her present after present and they just circle around her and watch. Like, they almost are like worship. I, actually, I brought a video. I wanted to prove it to show you something. So, so check out this birthday video of Rachel. Check it out. you. <laughs> oh, Rachel! Awesome. Oh, 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 look at daddy. You're not going to make Say thank you to him. Where's daddy. You're welcome, Rachel. Oh. 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 Sorry, Rachel, what is that? <laughs> Rachel! Look, oh. wow. What oh. is it? On watch. What oh. is it? On watch. Oh. You oh. Rachel, you are going Hollywood. Rachel is Hollywood! Hollywood! <laughs> <laughs> it's Rachel. Oh, it's <laughs> Rachel. I want <don't> more. <laughs> what did she say? I more. want more. Alright, <laughs> mommy, I do you, Rachel. <gasps> oh, <yeah. Hello>. Rachel! <laughs> <laughs> she says, I want more. <laughs> That was an hour video. I told my wife to cut down to 90 seconds. For an hour. I want more. I want more. <laughs> and as I saw that video it clicked like she just wants more for a birthday like it's a big deal with my wife, and to be honest, it's a birthday. Like I'm down, I, I will try better. So I remember the last two years, I remember like I just recalibrated myself. I said, "Babe, uh, what do you want to do for the whole day?" And so we, we now actually do a big thing. We go to we start Tahoe for her birthday. So basically, our Tahoe trips for Rachel and I just get to tag along. Uh, and then we go on the Truckee River, and then we go out to lunch, then we go to dinner, and I'm just the whole day celebrating. Uh, leading up to her birthday, we go to um, uh, a couple stores. She gets to pick out her favorite things. She loves Ray Bans. She always goes and gets to get a pair of Ray Bans. And so the last two years, I've smashed. It. so i'm two for nine but hey for the rest of our marriage i want more i'm always ready i got one more present just in case oh yeah one more. i got it. i got one more i got one more here you go here you go here, you go. here, you go. here you go here's 50 bucks kid Are you good um now bear with me here real quick so marriage is messy it's messy you get two messy people you do your best and you you, you figure things out and if you're committed to actually figuring things out and living the way that like God calls you to live serving each other and putting your needs last and their needs first. You can have something really special, and, but it's still really hard. It's just two people. Now let's check church for an example. It's not two people. It's hundreds of people uh, in a room and you all come from different value systems and different values and you value different things and you put us all in a room and we're just supposed to be unified and have a great time. <laughs> you know, like, and all value the same thing. Well, God was so kind that he gave us his word to take your house values, my house values, create a new house and give us new values. And say, this is a big deal to me. You may not think loving everybody's a big deal to God, but it's a big deal to God. God may say, hey, the last seven years, maybe you've missed it because your family, you guys valued preference and politics, but Jesus, he values people. Uh, You you may say, uh, oh, here's what I value when I come to church, I value worship, and God's like, I'm glad you value singing songs, but I also value serving and evangelizing, I value the word of God and doctrine and the Holy Spirit, and and what I want to do in this series and what I'm going to do today is, what's the big deal, church, is some of you have an idea of what you're supposed to value in church, I'm going to show you what the Bible tells you what you should value, And, and it's not really a debate. You know, like, I remember debating with my wife, like, do we really need to do this? Like, you you almost like you try to find leverage or you try to win the argument. And the only way you're going to win in life is if you say, God, if you said it, I'm doing it. And so the title of my message, I love to do it this way. What's the big deal? Church. You guys ready for that? I'm going to pray. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing at Mission Church. I thank you for the people in the house. And God, what a crazy season we've been in. And I really believe this, that it just shows me so much how much the Bay Area needs you. That it needs a life-giving church with people that not just attend a church, but this spills in the streets. The joy spills in the streets. Your grace spills into the streets. Your truth spills into the streets. So, so may Mission Church make this region better and brighter. Lord, as I preach this message, may my words will fall to the floor. Oh, may your words soar. Oh, may I just get out of the way. Ooh, Your word is too good for me to mess it up. So, Lord, we give you today. And everybody said? Yes. All right, if you have your Bibles turn to 1 Peter, I'm gonna get to the good stuff. First Peter, it is uh, the word of God showing us. Uh, What the church could look like. And I got to do a little bit of teaching real quick. So there's three points in my message today. Uh, They're all going to be about seven minutes long. I got 21 minutes. This will be my first time actually preaching a 35 minute message in a long time. Saturday let me just get crazy. I was going for hours and stuff. Maybe that's why you didn't come on Saturdays. You're like, I'm not coming for an hour. 30 minute message, I'm in. Okay. Um, So three points. What's the purpose of the church? Where do I fit in the church and how do I live this out? So what's the purpose of the church? Right, let me just do some teaching real quick. Theologians summarize it with three things really why we have church, like what the church's purpose is. First one it says in Ephesians simply this, is to praise him, like to bring him glory. So the, the, the big uh, theological words are exaltation of God, edification of saints, and evangelize. So the first purpose of the church is supposed to praise God. Your life should be a life of worship and it should bring glory to God. That's why your life. You will be most satisfied when God is most glorified in your life. Like, that's what's going to happen to you. So, so the reason why you're knitted is to bring glory to God, to, to reflect his glory, and for the world to see something different. In a dark world, for them to see light. In an angry world, for them to see joy. Like, that's, that brings glory to God. So that's the first purpose of the church. Second purpose of the church is to equip the saints. Yeah, you're a saint. You may not feel like one, but the Bible says it, so you better start believing it, okay? So I, I'm here, our team's here, you're here to build each other up. The, the world literally just beats people down to even enjoy it. But here at the church, we enjoy building you up. If you get a win, it's our win. If, if you have a great season, we have a great season. If you're celebrating, we're celebrating. If you notice, it's, it's fascinating. You, you look at culture, and uh, they love to build somebody up, not to keep them there, but then to tear them down. You know, just, I mean, you could use uh, star after star. Brittany, build her up, and then just let's watch her just fall. And everybody loves watching the train wreck. At, at the church, we love watching the train wreck get restored, not watching the person get turned into a train wreck. And so we would love to uh, build people up. Last one is evangelize. The Bible says to go in all the world and preach the gospel. Uh, this is true. and I, it's, it's a, It rhymes, so bear with me. Uh, when the church stops evangelizing, the church starts fossilizing. It, it becomes a stale place. And, and I don't know about you, but have you ever been to a church where like people go, I go to that church because they preach the word of God. Or they preach doctrine. Any discussion, that's why I like that place. I, I, I like to think that we could preach the word of God here. Or some people go, I go to that church because they do. their worship's amazing. Worship's phenomenal. So they pick it for worship. Everybody's, you know, I go to that church because it's just big and growing and a lot of new people are going and they're getting saved. I would submit to you, what if we, Mission Church, had a church where people came because, man, they preach the word of God. They build people up. Ooh, but man, they also have the, oh, they just worship. Oh, they worship God. Like they worship, like like worship, you know what I'm saying? Like putting new words on, it, you know? Um, they're they going for it, almost like almost like wow, what's going on in the room? And then last but not least, man, they they are so they're so excited to tell people about their God. Man, let's be that church. Let's not be one. It's unbalanced churches are the worst to me, but man, a church that does all three, it's special. So I want to, that's the skeletal structure. I want to put some flesh on that thought though. Can I do that real quick? So that's the purpose of church. First Peter 2, let's go there. If you have it, if not, I'll read to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy and slander of every uh, of every kind. What if we just did that verse? For the, the next week, what if we just did that verse? Man, what could we do in this city? Not be angry, not be malicious, but start being kind. What a crazy thought. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Time for us to grow, church. Let's grow together. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by God as precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. So God's building a new house with new values and we need to have things in this house be a big deal to all of us. If it's just a big deal to me, we're not gonna be a church of impact. It's got to be a big deal to all of us. So he says we, we're going to be uh, built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Stop. So this would be um, religion shattering at this moment. So to anybody who has been around for the last few thousand years, you're, they would be going, "What did that just say?" And To us, we were like, "What is that even saying? What's the big deal?" Before Jesus died on a cross and rose again and the Holy Spirit fell on the church, the only way that you can encounter God and and, um, um, go into his presence was there would be a temple, a tabernacle, and it was built brick by brick by brick and you would have to go to a place, walk in, and then if you were a priest, you could actually go to the Holy Holies and actually really experience his presence. Well, Jesus comes and explodes it. No longer do you need to lay brick by brick to experience God. It's not built by brick by brick anymore. You lay Christian upon Christian and that's how you experience God. Can, can, I, can, I, can I double down on this? Uh, Acts two, uh, the upper room, they go up there, the presence of God falls on the first church service. It's about a hundred and some people. The, 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 the presence of God falls on them and they are now the temple of God. They're, they're, they're the tabernacle, a Christian upon Christian. What happens when uh, God's presence spills in the room? Does it stop there? They have a nice little hour and a half service, like, woo, that was good. Let's go get ourselves some Chick-fil-A. Let's go down to True Food. Uh, let's go down to get some sushi. Is that what they do? No. What happens is, is the presence of God comes into that room, and it spills into the streets. They start, um, you know, speaking in tongues. They start proclaiming the gospel. They start being generous. Like It started here, but then it spilled into there and started making impact. Because the church is no longer building. It's people. And the way you experience God is no longer coming to a place. People... Shadelands tomorrow is not going to be a place where people are like, "Whoa, I walked into Shadelands on Monday and I just experienced the living God." It's, it's going to just going to be another building in the city. Even church buildings are that. But you get around a bunch of Christians, you're going to experience the living God. Let me, let me put it this way: so then it spills in the streets, and this is what's so amazing about what happens if the church actually becomes the church. It spills in the streets. You don't know anything about Acts? The people this time, you think that like we're really like divided as a nation? We're not even close to the uh, people this time. So, the Roman Empire literally, things were so hostile between people. Like, we're talking division between races and politics and classes that they literally had to build walls between different types of people. Like, not, like they're, they're called walls of hostility, physical walls. It would be like, in and Creek, it'd be like, all right, if you're a Democrat on this side, we're building a wall. Uh, it's bad to talk about walls, I know, Donald Trump, bear with me, okay? Um, but we're building a wall, Republicans are on this side, you know, and then so on and so forth. Like, if you believe masks are bad, uh, you're on this side of the wall. You think masks are good, or you're on this side of the wall. If you, you believe this is good, and so they're building wall after wall because people were fighting so much. The Roman Empire, like, we don't want to be breaking up fights all the time. We're sick of all these fights. What do we do? Let's just build walls and have all the people factioned in all their divisions and what they think's a big deal, they'll live over here and they'll live over here. But then the church spilled in the streets and these walls literally started getting torn down physically. And Gentiles and Jews and classes of people, rich and poor, people who never would have been able to sit in the same room, they're in a room together and they're worshiping God and weeping. Because if I could be honest, we may not have those physical walls out there in the region right now, but they're everywhere spiritually. Man, they're everywhere. And the only way that those walls get torn down is through the church spilling the street, the gospel being proclaimed, and the Christian upon Christian actually going out of here realizing you are the church. So that's what the church is and could be. Acts is an amazing thing it shows us. Does that make sense at all? Let's keep going. goes on to say, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though, uh, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of His. us. Now let's be that church. Like today, when you leave today, live a good life. Be kind, be generous. Like, may, may your good deeds uh, be amazing in front of people that they cannot say you're actually your God isn't real. Like one of the biggest things scripture shows is, man, don't be the reason why people don't believe in Christ. Be the reason why they actually give Christ a shot. And so that, that's, what the, uh, that's what the church, uh, the definition of the church is. It, it's not just uh, the skeletal thing, it's a living organism that leaves today and is gonna go be places and people gonna experience church tomorrow. Uh, The goal of Mission Church isn't to get people in the church, it's to get the church to the people. And and, and sometimes, if I could be honest, the the way that American church has done it, I'm I'm gonna go there, I was debating, I'm gonna go there. We have created somewhat of this like Pope system where they're like, you come to this house and listen to this one guy preach, and then you will get saved and experience God. And so now we've created these churches where it all revolves around this moment. This moment is just the beginning of the catalyst of it spilling into all the moments. And you looking at it yourself, because if I could be honest, I'm going to still point real quick. I'm just going to say it. Martin Luther, the Reformation, there's three things he did when, he, uh, when the church uh, was reformed from the Catholic church. The Catholic church uh, got really perverted. Uh, it got really uh, man-centric. Uh, man had the authority. It became very popish. It was about men having the authority. Their, their authority was even higher than scripture. Uh, and so they were um, like taking advantage of people. They weren't building people anymore. They were building their thing. They were using people to build their thing. So you'd have to pay like, for like sins like financially. You could pay for futures. It was, it was crazy. So Martin Luther starts reading the Bible and sees that that is not biblical. So he has three things that he declares, basically. He puts on the doors. It's a little bit longer than that, but I'm going to summarize for you. First one is he declares that Scripture would be the ultimate authority. That Scripture is, boom, nothing over Scripture. So he declares Scripture. And that, that, that's, that's, okay, I like that one. Second one is faith. That people would have faith that actually God saves them by grace. You cannot save yourself. Something that a lot of Christians don't understand right away is they don't understand grace. All grace is is that you can't save yourself. It's a free gift. You can't do all the things you think you can do without Jesus. It's grace. So then there's faith in God, okay? But the third one I thought was interesting, his declaration, is that the word priest would be as common as Christian. That the way that people would talk is that they would see themselves as priests. And you just read, I just read in 1 Peter 2 that it says that we are new, a royal priesthood. Fancy Christian word for priest. You know, you know what a priest was back in the day? It was somebody who could walk in the presence of God and then take the presence of God and share what God was doing. That's all a priest is. And, and Martin Luther's dream for the church, and I believe he dreamt it because it's scripture, is that you would see yourself as a priest. Not that, hey, gotta call Pastor Tyler. Gotta call that pastor. No, that you would see yourself as a priest and you would go into the streets and you would be a priest to the people. Now, you don't make people call you priest. That's just kind of weird, okay? um Shane asked me yesterday if he call me Rev and I really liked it so my new man he's like Shane goes hey can I call you Rev I was like yeah you can Um, let's keep going so here's what I want to do so where do you fit in church like like what does it look like for it to be like your church and I love Jesus' words in Matthew 16 18 he says this and I tell you uh uh, you're Peter and on this rock I will build my church everybody say my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So, so catch this real quick. I love the verbiage, my church. Uh, I've been pastoring for three years now. And in Wall Creek, this happens all the time. Pastor Tyler, Pastor Tyler. I'm like, hey, what's up? I go to your church. Yeah. you know, uh, Pastor Tyler, hey, I go to your church. And, and I don't mind that verbiage, but, but the verbiage of I go to your church kind of almost makes it like it's only my church. And, and the verbiage that I want in church is, hey, Pastor Tyler, I love our church. Yes. Hey, Pastor, Pastor Tyler, my church is the best. I go there. Exactly, Tyler. It's my church. It's your church. It's our church. But the, the thing that happens in, 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 I think, American Christianity is we go to church instead of see ourselves as the church. So it's my church. Now, now, w- when do you know it's your church? I- I'm going to submit to you that it's uh, a couple things. One is your time changes. But can I talk about the emotional component when it becomes your church? Because you know when it, you get married, it affects your emotions. I mean, when you, um, yeah, I'm going I'm, I'm to share my Bitcoin story. Anybody invested in Bitcoin? All right, my people. I was for a second. I'm going to share it. Um, so about three months ago, I'm hearing all this stuff about Dogecoin, okay? Uh, don't judge me, all right? I'm new to the game, all right? I downloaded the Robinhood app because it's the only one I knew how to download. And I was like, ooh, not Coinbase? What's wrong with you? Um, so, uh, so anyways, I hear about Dogecoin and they like, yeah, it went from nothing to six cents and uh, uh, six to seven cents. And now it's at eight cents. And, and it was one of those days. And I'm just going to be honest. Um, so I hear it in the morning at a breakfast. Then I hear it at a lunch. Then I hear it at another coffee. All day is all I hear is Bitcoin, Dogecoin, Bitcoin, Dogecoin. So I call Rachel on the way home. like, babe, I feel like we've got to invest. We got a little bit of savings. I'm going to buy some Dogecoin. I'm going to buy some Bitcoin. And now we're a family, so I'm not going to do this on my own. How do you feel about this? And Rachel's like, let's... Now, Rachel's an enthusiast, but I mean, I could be like, we should sell our house and invest everything in Bitcoin. She'd be like, yeah! I mean, that's the way Rachel, like... I've never had Rachel go, no, I don't, I got to pray about that. She's just such a, like, Rachel, let's get on a plane and go to Italy. She's like, yes, like, that's the way my wife's built. So I call her, and she's like, do it, you know, and then I'm more fired up. And uh, so, I, you know, I look at our savings, like, okay. Uh, and the way that you invest, you're like, okay, how much am I willing to maybe lose? Because uh, you can't be like that, you know, whatever. So I don't do, put a ton in there, but I put some of our savings, because you're just sitting there, and, you know, to, uh, to make money, you got to use money. I read all this, the quotes, right? Okay, so, uh, so I invest into Bitcoin and Dogecoin. I go to bed and I wake up the first day and I put on my Robinhood app and Bitcoin had went down like four grand and I was like <laughs> oh my gosh and then Dogecoin had like uh, went down a little bit and I was like Rachel uh, this is th- I don't think we should do it and Rachel's like it's the first day man relax like okay good point good point good point um, call my buddies and and then the, like for a week it went well and I was like feeling good I was like we're We're gonna be millionaires, and it's gonna be amazing, and we're gonna take care of people, and we're gonna build orphanages. My motives are pure, okay, why it goes up, just so you know, okay? All right, I'm just gonna be honest, like, uh, I always love those people that go, you know, Lord, if I went on the slot machine, you get half and I get half, sound good? Um, Don't pray those prayers, don't make those deals. That's just weird. Um, So anyways, uh, for about a month, I keep it, and it just messes with my emotions for a month. And so Bitcoin goes down, and I'm just waiting for it to hit the same number I bought it at so I can break even and get out. So I I told Rachel, like, babe, I'm not built for this. All right, this is just, I'm just, I'm not, I'm too uh, uh, emotionally invested, it stresses me out. Like, we're just gonna do the normal 401k, we're gonna steward our lives, and we're gonna be, uh, you know, uh, vanilla Americans in the sense that we're just gonna have our simple pension, and we're gonna live a good life. Kiss goodbye, the Tahoe on the water house, the Bitcoin house, okay? And so, and of course, the orphanages were going to buy with it. Tahoe Hasan. Maybe I said Tahoe Hasan. Don't judge me. It's a both-and. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. So anyways, um, uh, I finally sell it. And I just felt, oh, I felt so, I felt so like, oh, okay. All good. Like, I don't, I check it now once in a while. And um, what was funny is Dogecoin was at $0.07 and it went up to $0.46. So I would have actually made a lot of money on Dogecoin. (laughs) I'm kind of sad. (laughs) Sell it to her. Um, And then Bitcoin did actually go down like more than half. So I feel like I broke even by selling both, but it made me just process like, man, when I was invested in two abstract things just through the internet, I thought about it. I dreamt about it. It affected my emotions. When I woke up, I would talk about it. I was asking advice on it. It's a crazy thing when you get invested in something. It affects the way that you live your life. And and if I could be honest, the, the church is never supposed to have attenders. It's supposed to have investors. You're supposed to have people say, man, I'm invested in the house. This is my house. I'm, I, this, it's not your church, it's my church. Like, like, if the church goes up, I'm going up. If the church is being attacked, it's being attacked for me. Have you ever had somebody like, just further away? you should take it personal when somebody blows up the church. They're blowing you up, okay? Like, uh, this is like, Jesus talks about the church as a bride. If you tell me something about Rachel that isn't kind, I take it personal. It's my wife. Okay, like, like, like oh, your wife, man, she sure is, done no, no, no. who, who, who do you think you're talking to right now? That's my baby girl, you know, like, no, not today, you know, like, those are fighting words, but then, like, for us, not only do we not take it personal, we talk trash about the church, we blow up the church. One of my least favorite things is when people tell me, I came to your church, Tyler, and uh, I didn't like it, I met like four people, and they were terrible, and I was like, you didn't meet me? Uh, that, that, those like I guess that's like a little part, but you to meet the the church. Like if you went out to coffee with me, I'd be kind. If you went out to coffee with me? We'd have a good time. Whoever those four people were that made you, that shamed you and make you feel good, man. Toss out, the church is still great. Don't don't you dare say the church isn't great. You just met four people that's still on a journey, and to be honest, they're, they're, they're on their way. I know who you're talking about. We sit them in the back. We tuck them away and make sure nobody sees them. <laughs> Sometimes you know, Uncle un- Uncle Ned and Aunt Nan, you know, like, get them over there. Um, but but if I could just submit to you that if we had more ownership in the house, that, man, the church, the way service is today, like how worship is going to be given to the Lord today, how people are going to be loved today, how the message is going to be received today, how Jesus is going to be portrayed today. That's on me because I'm the church. And then when people get saved on a Sunday and the church is growing, you're like, my church is doing something special. My church is changing the world. I'm changing the world. That, that's what the church should be to you. Now, I, I have a, a ton of more points. I'm going to go about seven more minutes, and they're all my church statements. So my church serves, my church prays, and if I could just be honest, these are all things that this church is going to do. Like These are all things the church should do, and, and this is how we live it out, how we live out a church that's going to spill in the streets. Now, when I say my church, really, you should just start saying in your head, I pray, I serve. So the first one is this, is... Uh, Uh, How do we live this out? My church believes in the gospel. My church believes in the gospel. Now, uh, uh, the problem with saying the gospel and the good news is a lot of people feel like they've heard it. Even like like I talk to people, like I'll I'll go golf with somebody, I'll be at a coffee shop, like, yeah, yeah, I know the whole Christian thing, it's just not for me. And I'm like, you maybe have an idea of the Christian thing, but you've never heard the gospel. One of my favorite things that happens on a Sunday is I'll preach the gospel, share the goodness of God, the promises of God, and people will come up to me like, I don't think a lot of people know about this, Jesus. I don't think a lot of people know about this, this message. I'm like, exactly, because it's just so good. And they've heard this weird, a lot of people picture Christianity in the church as this God who is oppressive, that wants to control them and just dominate them. And then the church and the pastors are put there as the fun police to just steal the joy from them. And they're like, yeah, I've heard that message, I'm good. I, I mean, um, you've heard the verse, I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. A lot of people are like, I was mad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. You know what I'm saying? Because the reality is, is they've only pictured that kind of church. But what if they actually met the church, which is you? I love it. Like, some people are like, I'll never go to church. You at church. I am the church sucker. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, this is what happens when you actually realize what scripture says. And so, the reason why it's so important for this house to make the gospel a big deal is my church believes in the gospel because... When you actually share the gospel message with somebody, you may be like, oh, they never heard it. Oh, they've already heard it. No, they have never heard it from you. They never, they maybe heard an idea of it, but they never heard it. And it's amazing when somebody hears it in the right place at the right time, Their ears are open, their heart is soft. They, it may be the day they pray in the morning. God, I'll give you one more chance. This is your one day, God. You have no idea if that's the, pray, the, the prayer they prayed. And because you're like, I wanna, I wanna share the gospel. Let me share a, a story with you how powerful the gospel is. Augustus is the emperor Of Rome, the first emperor ever. Now, he's one of the most prominent figures in all of history. Uh, History shows he's one of the best leaders ever. Uh, He was alive during Jesus' time, and towards the end of his death, uh, AD 14, uh, he wrote uh, a gospel, the Acts of Augustus, the good news. And he sent it out to the four corners of the earth on plates, declaring that he was the Son of God. And so at this moment, he is literally sending out, hey, you should worship me, I am Augustus, the most powerful man, look what I've done, there is somewhat peace in the world uh, because Rome is dominating everybody um, and uh, they we're the most powerful and so they would take out the acts of Augustus and proclaim the good news and the, he has the most powerful military to share that message, to um, deliver that message and at the same time, <laughs> there is this, we read this last week, ordinary group of people, the Greek word is idiots, um, literally, the idiocy is what they said. These, these ordinary people write this book called The Acts of the, uh, of the Church, The Acts of the Apostles, and it's proclaiming the good news throughout all of the chapters, basically how good God is. Now, let's go back to Bitcoin real quick. Now, um, if you were a betting person at this time in Jesus' day, and you knew Augustus was going to proclaim claim the good news, have military might, have a taken to all four corners of the earth and then you have this little group of ragtag ordinary people in this one region proclaiming the good news of jesus and then there's the good news of augustus at that moment probably 81 2 3, 4, 14 80 50 you're like yo my money's on augustus they got the most power he is like the most famous he's got everything the world would need to advance the message well, if you know anything, I love what Paul says throughout. I was going to read it. It's in Timothy. If you have a Bible, I'll just read it later. Um, it's Second uh, Timothy 8.10. But Paul says, you know, remember this. And he's always in prison. He's like, I'm in prison again. And he always had this theme. Uh, and because I preach this good news, I am suffering and have been chained like a criminal, but the word of God cannot be chained. I wonder if Paul really understood how unchained the gospel was. If he could come today to Walnut Creek and see Mission Church and be like, man, we were in this one little region and now it's in the whole world. And maybe he would ask, hey, how's the uh, gospel of Augustus doing? And everybody most remember, like, there was a gospel of Augustus? It's, it's not around. Can, can I submit to you something real quick? Do not let the one sentence of your life in history to determine the power of the gospel. Do you know 100 years ago, they said the church would decline to be done because of technology advancing and science advancing? 100 years ago, they said, you know what? Finally, we're gonna have technology, science is advancing at a rapid rate. The church, the gospel, it's gonna be done. Well, 100 years later, actually, there is, uh, religion has grown, Christianity has grown, it hasn't declined, as much as you think it's declined. In the world, it has exploded. You know what technology gave us? It didn't stop the church. Technology gave us the poop emoji, okay? It gave us TikTok. It didn't stop the church. Like, that's what technology did. But over and over again, even now, in the Bay Area, this little chapter like, oh, is, is the church going to do anything? Oh, the pandemic. Oh, people are going to church and uh, uh, go, not attending church in record numbers. It's the lowest it's ever been. Oh, is the church going to survive? Yeah, the church is going to be just fine because my church believes in the power of the gospel. We believe in it. We believe that God's, God's still alive, that the Bay Area can still be reached. Man, do you believe that with me? You guys already clapped. I'm sorry. I should have. Uh, um... <laughs> Uh, Hello, Tyler, we clapped. Um, It's a universal sign of I agree. Um, I love what Charles Burton said. The gospel is like a caged line. It does not need to be defended. It simply needs to be let out of its cage. Come on now. I I love this by N.T. Wright. But many people today assume that Christianity is one or more of these things, a religion, a moral system, a philosophy. In other words, they assume that Christianity is about advice, but it wasn't. You don't want to know why the thing is advice? If you're a Christian, stop giving people advice all the time on how they should live their life. You're great at advice, but you're terrible at the good news message. Share the gospel and stop sharing advice. Does that sound good? Just share your junk and what Jesus has done in your life. That's the gospel. Hey, you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, you shouldn't read that. You shouldn't watch that. Who wants that? Okay, let's going, sorry. Um, but it wasn't, and it isn't. Christianity is simply good news. It is the news that something has happened, and as a result, which the world is a different place. It's, this is what happened, and because of that, I'm now different. It's like having a kid, like, your life's never the same. Like, it's gonna change your life. Um, I'm gonna go a, a couple more. I got about uh, eight more minutes. Uh, and these ones will be quick. They're kind of, uh, today is a teaching, a preaching, and a little bit of a vision thing. Another one is uh, My Church Praise. My Church Praise. Everybody say praise. praise. I, pr- I preached on prayer uh, a few weeks ago, so I'm not gonna teach a long point on this. I would just encourage you, go online. What's the big deal prayer? I actually really like that. I it's a great message if you don't know a lot about prayer. Uh, but first Thessalonians 5 16 says this Rejoice always. Verse 17, pray continually. So one of the things that we're gonna do as a church is now that we are uh, back at Sunday's, we have a, a, a mission headquarters is what we're calling it, right across the street. It's about uh, 11,000 square feet. We have a big office space. We're building a sanctuary in there for prayer nights, worship nights, youth nights, team nights, literally right across this corner right here, uh, mission headquarters. You know why I know why it's called headquarters? Because headquarters change the world. You know what I'm saying? Mission office space just isn't that sexy. You know what I'm saying? Um, but mission headquarters, like, whoa, we're going to headquarters. All right, all right, all right, yeah, yeah. Uh start wearing, like, like army gear. Uh, anyways, um, so Mission Headquarters, uh, uh, we just moved in on Thursday. Uh, the sanctuary part will be done in a little bit. We're not allowed to have Sunday services. We're not permitted, but we can do everything else. So here's a handful of things we're going to do as a church together. Uh, so every Sunday, just give you a heads up, at 8.15, we pray for service. Because we're praying always. We pray first. We have this pray first mentality here. It's the principle first. Genesis to Revelation, the church uh, is supposed to make God first. Not because he's like, do it or else. It's the way we're supposed to live life. It's the most fulfilling. It is the most honoring. It's the way we're supposed to live. So we're going to pray first uh, before service. On Mondays from 930 to 1030 at Mission Headquarters, starting August 15th, uh, we're going to pray and worship at the offices. Anybody's invited. Uh, we're going to put on the website if you want to come. Uh, basically, we'll have a little bit of worship. Uh, we're gonna pray together, and at the very end, we're gonna do some devos together, and the first hour of our work week, we're gonna give to God and say, God, we're praying first, you get first from us. Now, if you can't make it, we're just gonna ask you just on Mondays, wherever you're at, just pray first. Pray first, because my church prays. We pray. Uh, Another thing we're gonna do is the first Wednesday of every month, we're gonna have a prayer and worship night at Mission Headquarters, so September 1st will be our first prayer and worship night. We're just gonna chase after God, we're calling it first night. God, you get our first. There's just something about us being calibrated and realizing, God, I take myself way too seriously. My calendar, I think, is really impressive. But God, your word shows me that this is what I'm supposed to take seriously. That if I put you first, that if I worship, if I pray, woo, if you want to get the work done in this region, prayer is where the work gets done. So we're going to pray first together. We're going to pray all the time. So that's just a handful of things in our calendar we're going to do together. Does that sound good? So my church prays. Um, next one is... Uh, uh, my church, uh, my church is rich in mercy and grace. This is a big one for me. Uh, I, I made about eight of them. And I'm not going to be able to share all of them today, but my church is rich, uh, is full of mercy and grace. Colossians 3:13 says this: Make an allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That's another one. Like, what if we just did that as a church? How great would it be? Like, we made an allowance. We were gracious. We forgave people. There's, this, uh, there's verses and verses, Ephesians uh, 2 talks about how we were dead and we were uh, disobedient in our sins, and I love this in verse 4, it says, but God so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that he basically redeemed us from everything and gave us this new identity. So, so Jesus is but rich in mercy. So you were dipped in debt, but God rich in mercy redeemed you. So my church, we rich in mercy and grace. Yeah. And if I could just be honest, right now the culture of our world, they're not very gracious and very merciful. It's like, shoot, and then ask questions later. You know what I'm saying? Um, Rachel and I have been married nine years. I'll use one more quick marriage illustration. We hit a rough patch probably year four of our marriage. And we, just had, we we're just in this bad rhythm. And it was weird because Rachel and I are very joyful people. We don't fight to fight. We only fight really for peace. Like, if we're not getting along very well, we, we fight for peace. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And so Rachel and I are starting to fight. And, and, like, everything that Rachel does that's wrong, I just upset. And I don't really yell. I just, just like, you can just tell if I'm annoyed, I'm just annoyed. It's like, it's kind of like, that's, that's me frustrated. Um, And so, so we're we're fighting and, and then Rachel at year four, she's now been sanctified, but when she's upset, you know, she's upset. (laughs) Like she's loud, she'll let you know. Um, Yeah, it's intense. Okay. Um, she's Italian. So, so like, I mean, it's like the only, I remember like year four, it's the only time I've ever like stormed out of her house. I remember like we were fighting. I was like, I'm going to Starbucks. And I remember like leaving and it was like eight o'clock and I go to Starbucks and I sit down and they're like, sir, we're closing in one minute. I was like not cool Starbucks, uh, I'm in a fight with my wife and I was, was, I was being dramatic, I wanted to be here for a little bit, and now you're closed. I remember coming home and Rachel's like, why are you back so early, you know? And I was like, Starbucks is closed, you know? And, and we sat there and I remember I was just sitting there, I remember sitting on the couch and Rachel was standing and we were talking, I said, man, we've just been fighting a lot. You know, like, we, we're, this, is like this isn't us, like, what's going on? You're like, what, what, what's, what's happened? And, and I had just been in uh, my Bible reading my word of God and praying for our family. And I came across this verse and it struck me. I was like, I have no allowance for Rachel to make a mistake in our family right now. Zero allowance. And, and Rachel and I started talking and we started, and Rachel's a visual person, I'm a visual person. We started imagining, we, and we pictured like, we had our dinner table and we're like, picture a dinner table with just hundreds, just stacked, you know, stacks on stacks of money right there. And if somebody needs 50 bucks or they break something in your house, you don't even care because you got a bunch of money. I'll buy a new lamp. You broke the lamp? I got an allowance for a new lamp. Oh, you, you stay in my carpet? I can, I can take care of that. I got lots of, I got a huge allowance for that. But in our marriage at that moment, the table was bare and There was no grace and there was no mercy. There was just this demand to not frustrate, annoy, or push the other person's buttons. And we declared from that moment at year four, we're going to have a huge allowance for each other. We're going to be gracious to each other. When, when Rachel messes up, she's not trying to mess up. When I mess up, which to be honest, I'm the one who messes up more. When, when I mess up, like Rachel knows I'm not doing it on purpose. And for the last five years of our marriage, it's just this nice climate to live in. There's grace, there's mercy. Like right when the person, like we learned intention impact. My intention was not to do that. I know the impact was that, but babe, that, that wasn't my intention. I'm sorry. So we're quick to say sorry. Rachel was terrible at sorry. Who's terrible at sorry in the house get better. I'm telling you you'll win people over. Sorry it's not it's not a weakness. We're better at saying sorry and I just think about the church and I think about culture right now and we're in a rough patch right now church. Because the church is not rich in mercy and grace right now. We have no allowance for people to have a different political belief. We have no allowance for somebody post something on the internet that we don't like. We have no allowance for the pastor saying this or responding this way. We have no allowance for for, for something being canceled or we can't do it this way. We have no allowance. We're like, done, fired, next person, deleted, blocked, rejected, new place, Woo, this house. If you're here, there's a new season for you and a new season for me. We're gonna have stacks on stacks of grace and mercy. My church is rich in it. You mess up, I'm not mad at you. I know that everybody's going to mess up. You can be restored here. You you talk trash about me. I'm not done with you. Let's talk about it. Maybe I was impressed. That's actually pretty good. That's pretty good. If you're mad, if, if I offend you, oh, please, please give me an allowance. It's a special place to be when you know you can mess up. You can mess up here, people. You You don't have to be perfect. If I shared my list of mess ups with you, we would have another hour service. But we do have time for that. I have a handful more points I wish I could share. I'll share a little bit more next week. But Today, I just want you to leave with this thought. You're not going to church anymore. You are the church. That when you live here today, man, grace and mercy is gonna spill over. The gospel is still alive and active. You're gonna pray more. We're gonna to pray together. Does that sound good, Mission Church? Will you bow your heads with me? God, I thank you for what you're doing at Mission Church. I thank you for what you're doing in this region. Lord, you, you love the East Bay. God, you love your people and you're not done yet. And so with every head bow and eye closed, there's somebody in the house today that for the first time you realize that God is not this angry judge that's waiting to punish you, but he's a loving father that came to earth and died on a cross to redeem and save you, to remove everything you can't remove oh, so you can say yes to heaven, yes to restoration, yes to blessing, and you can say no to hell, no to cursing, you can say yes to a new birth, a new identity the Bible says you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you will be saved and you want to get saved today you want to say yes to Jesus today, you want to say yes to salvation, with every head bowed and eye closed I want you to raise your hand and catch my eyes. I want to say yes to Jesus today, go ahead and raise it high, I want to see you that's a great decision, I see you, God bless you I see you, God bless you, come on, I see you, God bless you come on, oh it's a special day I see you Last but not least, you're ready to not go to church, but you're ready to say, this is my church. Lord, I'm going I'm to guard your church. I'm going to take it personal when people attack your house. I'm going to take it personal when people talk about your house. I'm going to change the perspective because it's my church. If that's you, can I just have you raise your hand and say, I declare that's going to be me from here out. I'm going to be rich in mercy. Hands are everywhere. Oh, man, I love this house. Come on now. Well, I think something's happened in the spiritual. I think this declares a new calendar, a new season for us. God, right now, Mission Church, ooh, it's going to be a, a new season. Lord, we're going to speak up when we're supposed to speak up. We're going to love when we're supposed to love. We're going to be merciful when we're supposed to be merciful. Oh, God, we need you. We need you. And everybody said? Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.